Welcome to Harlem Capital's More Equity podcast. We're so glad you're here. Each season, we'll be exploring a new aspect of the startup and VC landscape by speaking to founders, investors, and top industry leaders. Welcome to the next episode of our podcast. I'm thrilled to introduce our latest guest, Brandon Hoffman, the co-founder and managing partner of Sunset Ventures. Sunset Ventures invests in unstoppable founders who are redefining the internet to transform how people live, work, and play. Let's jump into our conversation. Yay. Well, hi, Brandon, and welcome to the Harlem Capital More Equity podcast. I'm uh, super excited to have you on as part of our Diverse Emerging Manager series. Yeah, no, excited to be here, and, and, and thanks so much for the invite. Oh, absolutely. Um, and you're actually the first HCP alum uh, who's interned with the firm who is now, there you go, I love the gear, um, who is now launching their own fund. So um, one, love the connectivity there. Super excited about what you're building with Sunset Ventures. Um, but for the audience who might not know who you are yet and a little bit about your journey, can you share a little on your background, where you grew up, what drives you, um, and how you kind of got to the place now where you're launching Sunset Ventures? Yeah, yeah, happy to. Um, so Brandon Hoffman, uh, grew up in Southern California, kind of bounced around uh, growing up. Um, for, for those familiar, it sort of migrated my way from Inland Empires to areas of uh, Orange County and Anaheim and eventually settling in L.A., uh, where I, I made my way back full circle a couple of years ago and planted some roots here. So plan to be here for the foreseeable future. Um, I mean, you know, I think business school was probably a, a pretty significant turning point, kind of an inflection, changing careers. So um, sort of two chapters, if you will. Uh, before business school, um, you know, really had a pretty non-traditional academic undergraduate experience, uh, sort of, you know, fell through the, the cracks of the system and uh, all roads pointed to community college kind of only as a, the, the, the only option I could really afford and, and, um, and really do at that point in time. Um, so community college, Cal State Fullerton, but really a commuter, you know, type of experience, juggling a couple of jobs. True, you know, my true passion was music. Uh, so I was a music creator for close to 10 years. Uh, that, that's really where, where my heart was. Um, so I had, over those years, built a recording studio, owned and operated. Um, I was a music producer, songwriter, and the, the life of a creator, even though it, it wasn't really called that back then. Uh, as we know still today, frankly, you know, the, the income, right? It's, it's inconsistent, it's lumpy, it kind of ebbs and flows. And so the, the day job, uh, you know, to counter that, I worked in bank branches throughout Southern California. So financial services for about eight years before, during, and after the crisis uh, of 08, 09. So saw a lot firsthand. And, you know, for me, uh, really wanted to uh, combine sort of my love and passion for for music. And that was, that was my foray into tech and digital media. Um, but it sort of had a knack for investing in the markets and wanted to kind of bring those together um, Spotify, I think was probably an aha for me of, you know, trying to get a record deal was sort of a thing of the past, you know, it was probably a decade or two too late for chasing that dream. Um, but wanted to build or invest and be a part of, you know, these technologies that were advancing really, uh, music art forms and, and, um, you know, the, the lives of creators. And so set off to go to business school, um, was able to get into a couple fellowship programs, MLT and Twigo. Uh, and, you know, was fortunate uh, to get a lot of help, frankly, there. Uh, I don't think I would have gotten as far without him. Uh, got into Wharton for business school. And, and that's where I met my partner, actually, about 10 years ago, Antonio Key. Um, and then, you know, a after business school was kind of the, 
a very predictable sort of, you know, path. Uh, went to Wall Street for a couple of years, worked at Morgan Stanley as an equity research analyst. Then I went to Samsung um, for about four and a half years, left earlier this year. Uh, both my partner and I were working there actually together during that time. And uh, recently this year made made the leap uh, to raise Sunset Ventures. Okay, so from non-traditional music producer, which I, I won't forget, and I will go back at the end to ask a little bit more about like the music stuff, because that's fascinating. And I think QVCs, you know, have had like the creator sort of um, role in their lives um, to business school, Wall Street, Samsung Ventures. Um, so have seen quite a bit across the ecosystem and in your work. Uh, I guess, can you share a little bit more about like what then was the impetus at that point to want to start your own fund? Um, I guess what led to that decision? Walk us through some of the things you were thinking about in that moment when you're like, all right, I'm ready to go off and, and launch this thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, admittedly, it wasn't even a moment, uh, you know, in and of itself. It, it wasn't even near term. Uh, this is sort of a, a 10 year overnight, you know, <laughs> type of story. Uh, I mean, really, even the essays trying to go to business school, uh, you know, talked about this as sort of a, an end goal. You know, I mean, um, in the end, I, I knew I wanted to manage uh, capital in one way or another, um, start a firm and a fund. And I mean, really, even back then, um, as well as now, the driving force really uh, has been addressing the racial wealth gap. And so, you know, being able to manage capital, be a steward of capital and, and the various stakeholders that either provide capital or, or receive capital, um, you know, and, and so one of that kind of purpose, you know, aspect of, of it all. Um, admittedly, I, I think I was probably a bit too risk averse. I, I don't know if I had the confidence coming out of business school um, to immediately try to take the leap into the role of an investor, you know, and managing capital, let alone raise my own capital or, or, or start a fund. Um, so, you know, I, I took, a, took a step back and kind of had a bit more, I guess, planned out, you know, had to be very patient uh, and almost put off, you know, the, the, the end goal and dream. Um, but my time at Wall, in Wall Street was formative, you know, from the analytical skills, um, a lot of the learnings, lessons, relationships built there, time in Samsung, um, probably stayed even longer than expected, uh, you know, four and a half, almost five years. Um, and that's just because I continued to learn You know, I continued to learn. And there was a change in leadership, maybe halfway in my, my tenure there. And so, you know, both halves, I, I learned a ton. And in the back half, I learned a lot more even about venture capital and uh, was leaning in to the venture team there and executing deals. And then it got to a point, you know, I think towards, uh, towards the end of 2021, um, you know, and coming into the new year, uh, knew we wanted to make that leap uh, and start kind of preparing it. But, uh, but seeds have been planted for the past few years, relationships built intentionally, knowing this was the next move I wanted to, to make. I wasn't going to try to apply for another corporate job or, you know, try to get back to a bank or somebody else's fund. I, I knew I wanted to build something of my own. Very cool. And I kind of want to go back to your point about like right out of business school not being the right time because um, it seems like those were some awesome informative experiences like going to Wall Street, being at Samson Ventures, seeing VC, felt, you know, it being your own fund to start. But you mentioned this point about like out of B school, you were a little too risk averse and not ready for the leap. And I'm curious because I think there's a lot of people out there who might also have that same idea and might also kind of feel that like hesitation before they jump in. Um, I'm curious, like, what helped you build that level of confidence? Are there very specific things you can point to that you look back on and say, okay, that was the first sign I was ready, and that was the second sign that might be helpful to other folks? Yeah. Um, 
I mean, so, you know, just taking a step back, even uh, back to my, my days at business school, um, you know, for me, again, I think it was sort of a personal decision. Um, at the same time, you know, I, I, I had a son uh, I was providing for. And so just some of the responsibilities, uh, you know, family and, and folks around me kind of needed. So uh, these were a lot of the trade-offs, you know, effectively I was, I was having to consider. Um, and so, you know, I think each step along the way, my confidence slowly uh, built up. And, you know, there, there were moments maybe along the way that uh, allowed that to happen. You know, when I, when I first entered Wall Street, I was definitely intimidated, uh, you know, that I could, I could keep up or I'd be good enough, hardworking enough, smart enough. Um, and there's a ramp up, especially in equity research. You know, the ramp up time actually to become a sector expert, you know, um, a specialist effectively, um, you know, takes time. But, you know, eventually I think I got there. And then I got to a point where I believe I was actually, you know, adding value to the team, uh, creating, you know, insights and reports that, uh, that, that, you know, management or, or my peers on the, in the group weren't really doing. Uh, and I was getting recognition for that. Uh, I mean, so really, really felt great. And, and that was a confidence booster. Same thing at Samsung, you know, now I'm in a big corporate and have, have to navigate this, uh, you know, eventually got to a point preparing to present to, you know, the CEOs over in Korea. So the, the experience was global cult culturally, uh, you know, it was, it was uh, very, very interesting um, and just learned a ton, you know, just by doing that. Same thing with deals, you know, uh, first dabbled a little with angel investing, frankly, even the internship at Harlem Capital, you know, in between my time at Morgan Stanley and before I went to Samsung was formative. Uh, I think even seeing, you know, the team, seeing, seeing you all build uh, from scratch, you know, a fund and a franchise stayed with me, you know, it, it, it made it a little more tangible, realistic, you know, seeing folks that I knew um, build it. And so if anything, I think I held on to that the whole time I was at Samsung, you know, and once I started to actually execute deals and some of them were performing well, again, that feedback loop, you know, and the confidence gets built. And then you're at a point where you just have to take the leap. There's always going to be some type of, you know, uh, bait. You just uh, have, have to have in yourself. And, uh, so over the last, you know, year or two, I think I got to that place. So it, it, it wasn't, a, you know, a, an immediate aha moment of any kind. Fair, which I think sometimes like the media can make it seem like, OK, we have this a great idea. We go launch. But there really are like a lot of steps and mistakes and twists and turns and things we learn along the way that like a seed planted, you know, before business school comes to life, you know, far after. So I know and it is really cool kind of hearing the art, but also like those key moments that shape it, um, where you learn, where you start add value, where you see your value and then where you can take that leap. Um, so that's maybe where I'll, I'll go next, I guess. So you've, you know, knew you wanted to start the fund. You're ready to take that leap. You've got the confidence, got the experience, the credibility. How did you start then thinking about like, okay, I'm starting a fund and like, what is my fund strategy? Cause you've seen, you know, how things are done at Samsung, how things are done across the industry at Harlem Capital and different things. Where did you sort of build your fund strategy? Um, where did you start? And I guess how then does that go back to your North Star, that driving force of like wanting to address the racial wealth gap kind of fit into the fund? Yeah. Um, I'll start with the the last point there, uh, essentially the the North Star, um, you know, the, the why uh, behind it all. Um, even at Samsung, you know, tried to bring... Um, that sense of purpose, you know, and, and that work and, and frankly leverage the brand, the platform, the the corporate, you know, fund uh, to be able to do work in that space and in those communities with those founders. Um, you know, so in 2018, 
had launched the Diverse Founders Initiative at, at Samsung. Um, you know, targeted effort really to invest in Black, Latinx, and women founders, um, which was, you know, just a, a space that Samsung didn't have much presence, right? So could kind of carve your own lane there, um, you know, within um, the platform and team and just continue to kind of build on that, uh, building an angel community called Diverse Angels for folks. Um, and, you know, some of the firsts out of Samsung. Uh, so, you know, some of the first diverse founders, black founder, black female founder, Latina founder, um, came out of these initiatives over the last few years. So really proud of that work. Um, and, you know, really plan to keep that as a, a core value, frankly. That's just sort of a philosophy I think my partner and I have um, with the way we operate, with the way we, you know, do do the work in the space. Um, and so that's kind of a deeply embedded, I would say, value within our strategy. Um, and so I do think we just have an edge and unfair advantage you know, with networks that skew more diverse and the ability to empathize and kind of spot potential within them, uh, which might not be traditional patterns that folks are, you know, trained to look at from the Valley. Um, and I think that's because we see ourselves, you know, and, and a lot of these founders. Um, in terms of, you know, the fund size and kind of the stage and, and sectors, you know, again, I think really just being self-aware of your strengths. And I think we took an honest assessment of what we thought was feasible what we thought we were good at, uh, as well as what we wanted to do, you know, and thought would generate returns as, as well as impact. And that just naturally brought us to the early years or earliest of stages, um, you know, so pre-seed and seed predominantly. Um, and the sectors, you know, that we're focused on. So a lot of gaming, media, fintech, and commerce. These are areas that, you know, we leaned into at Samsung, uh, which had a front row seat really is the, the largest consumer electronics company in the world. Um, and we were driving, you know, innovation effectively on the software and services for for their hardware footprint. Um, and again, back to my time on, you know, Wall Street, uh, I, I covered the internet sector uh, as a research analyst. And so that was e-commerce, gaming publishers, ad tech, social payments. Um, so again, just kind of staying with a bit of what we know, what we're good at, and, uh, and kind of crafting the strategy around that. I love that. Okay. And um, before I jump to some questions around like the fundraising and, and, and a few others, um, I always think names are really important and like they reflect how we think, what we stand for, it's how people remember us. I guess what led to naming the firm Sunset Ventures and what does that mean to you all? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, so high level, just even from kind of a, a branding standpoint, uh, you know, I'm based in LA, he's in SF. So definitely West Coast kind of vibes, if you will. Um, but in okay, terms a little East Coast, West Coast rivalry it, kind of starting. <laughs> exactly right, exactly. Uh, again, just lean into your strengths, right? This is this is this is where we're located, and uh, you know, proximity here um, to a lot of industries and, and communities. But uh, you know, in terms of the meaning itself, um, you know, for me at least personally, what it means again, sort of that creative at heart. You know, uh, the the mecca kind of for the creative and entertainment industries. You know. Uh, is is Hollywood, right? It's LA. It's sort of the entertainment capital, and and, and Sunset Strip, you know, the boulevard there is just so iconic, right? Um, in terms of again the companies that are there, kind of the culture, um, you know, the the venues, the experiences that have happened there. But that's really where the concentration of power is, you know, within these spaces, right? For for creators, again, I for ten years was kind of knocking on the doors, if you will, you know, on Sunset, and and so you know with these sort of next gen digital experiences that are playing in these spaces, you know, we actually see um, really sunset getting more decentralized, you know, and distributed. And, and so you don't have to be in LA or let alone, you know, with one of the 
incumbents and get a deal, quote unquote, uh, to be able to make a living. Um, and, and so that's the that's the kind of you know north star um, we want to build uh, with the founders, you know, the technologies and and really the experiences that they're bringing. Amazing. And I think what kind of comes through and everything you've shared so far is that like it really is like the the fund in many ways is man manifestation of all of the experiences you've had, all of the lenses you bring, all of the pieces, like even the, the creator side, the analytical side all coming together. Um, and I think where our fun brands like really shine is when we're our authentic selves. It's how we connect with LPs, how we connect with founders. Um, so I love that you're bringing like all of those pieces kind of together. Um, and I guess kind of thinking about like the LP side uh, to shift a little bit. Uh, I think one of the biggest things with launching a fund, um, one of the biggest questions is like, how do you actually find LPs? How do you fundraise? Like, what is that black box like really like? Um, so I'd love if you could share a little bit about like, what does that journey look like? How did you find your first LPs? Um, and did you like have to convince them about your investment strategy where they totally bought in? Like walk us through some of um, the things you went through there. Yeah. Um, you know, so again, the way, the way that it worked for us and uh, the approach that we had was being intentional, you know, with a lot of the relationships uh, that we were we were building with the brand effectively we were building in the ecosystem more broadly over the last few years, you know, and so that's kind of the pre-work, if you will. Um, so you're, you're not technically starting cold, um, even building and fostering, you know, community, angel investors, you know, and doing SPVs and, and co-investing with folks and investors out there, um, you know, building relationships with founders, with corporates, you know, corporate venture funds, as well as the business units. Um, and so really a lot of those relationships, these first, you know, second connections uh, were, were the first call, you know, effectively. They, they, these were the, the folks that we let know. You know, that we were making this leap, this move. And a lot of them, you know, just naturally, I think, kind of embraced us. Uh, they had been maybe supporters in one way or another already, um, especially with your first fund. I mean, your strategy is important. Sometimes we may need to walk through the nuances there. Um, but almost like betting on founders at the release of stages, I think you're underwriting, you know, the, the human potential behind the team and the, and the people there. And so, you know, I, I think, again, uh, that's probably what a lot of, these folks, these early supporters, at least, were betting on. But, you know, that said, uh, you're right. Uh, a lot of it is a black box. Uh, there's sort of a whole new stakeholder we had to account for. Um, and, you know, some of them out there, like, let's say family offices, is just really a black box. I, I, I you know, don't come from that world. I don't know anybody, uh, you know, who's in that world, at least growing up organically, and just never really had any business, you know, really in that community um, during all of our experiences these last several years. So there had to be intentional with um, just kind of figuring out where they spend their time, where, what are their conferences, what's that circuit look like, who are the thought leaders, how could you add value and sort of give to that community. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's a lot more of a cold start. Um, and it is just kind of showing up, you know, going to these conferences, meeting folks, asking for referrals, uh, eventually even getting on panels, you know, again, just giving, right, insights, expertise, analysis, giving your thoughts on a space uh, or, or the asset class, uh, you know, is, is helpful, right? So just kind of give, give, give um, in hopes effectively that eventually, whether in the near term or over the long run, uh, it, it'll pay off. Makes sense. Yeah. A few of those, the things that like kind of highlighted, you highlighted uh, for me were one, there's a lot of pre-work that goes into launching a fund. It's not just like the quick idea. Okay. Now we're going to build, you know, get the legal structure set up, you know, kind of go launch, build the brand, get the name. It's like, got to put in the time a little bit to get to know people in the ecosystem, to build that network, 
for the eventual fund before you even get there. Um, and then I think this other point about like knowing your stakeholders, like knowing who they are and how to reach them and what they are excited by. So you can build those relationships um, ultimately over time so that they can be excited to work with you um, and the fund. Um, and I guess, Ben, I'm curious now that you're on this other side, I guess, were there any other lessons that you learned along the way or things that happened that you didn't expect? Um, you know, kind of like, an, you know, looking back, like, what do you wish you'd known um, now that you're on the other side of it? Yeah. Um, I mean, an obvious unknown that a lot of people just had to um, manage, you know, is, is really the macro environment. Um, you know, things were heating up and, and there was some uh, some of a bubble uh, sort of at play there. Um, but to what degree it would either burst, you know, and this is venture as well as just the, the you know, economy at large. Um, so obviously the environment has drastically changed, right? So fundraising in this type of environment is probably a bit more akin to the 08, 09, you know, trying to raise a fund uh, or the, the 02, 03, you know, the, after, after the dot-com bust. Um, and so what I had more recently started to do, but would have been a bit more intentional about in the pre-work is probably building relationships with folks that have built many funds, you know, a firm, a franchise, and have seen, you know, firsthand, if not even raised during those environments. Um, eventually, I started to kind of have those conversations, even in, in, you know, the past few months, which has been extremely helpful. Um, but even beforehand, not waiting, frankly, for 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 the collapse, you know, or or this macro kind of headwind to occur, um, uh -huh. just getting that kind of wisdom from folks, you know, it's uh, it's invaluable. Yeah, I love that, and I guess it's interesting because, like you mentioned, um, you did see the 0809 crisis, but on like the banking and financial services side, maybe not on the VC and, and tech side in this way, um, which a lot of people in the industry right now like haven't. Like this is my first financial crisis that I'm actually like working through as an adult. Like you know, as in you know, much younger earlier. And so I'm kind of curious, like, what's your take on the market today, and is how has it changed how you approach the fund, how you will approach your investing, and how do you think about navigating the next 12 to 18 months, which like no one really knows what will happen, but we still have to figure it out. So I'm curious, how how are you guys at Sunset kind of thinking about it? Yeah. Um, so you're right. So drawing on my time, uh, at least during 08, 09, you know, totally different time uh, for me, uh, sort of early 20s and yeah, working in financial services. Um, that said, I mean, I saw, again, just how, panic and fear can affect the markets. So, you know, I was closely following uh, and advising on and investing in stocks at the time, but even just bank deposit, you know, run run on banks. Um, and we've seen a bit of that effectively, uh, you know, within crypto, right? And digital currencies and, and some of these platforms, um, you know, which is, which is interesting uh, in the sense of having seen the analog version and now the digital kind of version. Um, I think, you know, one of the biggest lessons, at least for me coming out of that, was if you can manage, right, and stomach uh, some of that that fear, that anxiety, um, and you can try to be objective uh, and disciplined with crafting an investment thesis, um, and you go all in, you know, and then you're patient and hold over the long run, uh, that you can see some amazing returns and gains. And so... Um, I think directionally, you know, we know that it's things are declining. In other words, prices are getting a lot more attractive. Whether we've hit the trough or not, you know, almost doesn't matter. Uh, you're essentially dollar cost averaging during, you know, 
uh, this decline as well as trough and early, you know, kind of coming out of it, which will take a while. Um, things fall much faster than they rise. Uh, you know, this is uh, across the board, all markets. Um, you know, I come from the public equities world, but a lot of it mirrors the private, you know, space. Um, it's just a longer feedback loop. And, and that's what I think we've continued to see really, right? So my thoughts on the market, you know, is the public market is seeing the correction that it needed, frankly. Um, you know, multiples and again, prices in the sense of multiples, what people were paying for, you know, certain growth stocks and certain sectors, um, you know, it, it, it was standard deviations, you know, too high uh, and things have reverted back. And, and that's just the nature of financial markets, period, of the, you know, regardless of the asset class. It's making its way back to venture, you know, late, mid stage is seeing it. It's still probably making its way, right, at the earliest of stages, pre-seed and seed. Um, that said, we couldn't be more excited than ever to start investing. I think this is going to be uh, some of the, you know, uh, best years uh, in terms of opportunities, you know, um, that we're going to see over the next few years. Um, so while it's extremely difficult uh, in this environment to raise a fund uh, and and kind of get it, you know, um, stood up, but if you're able to and you start deploying, uh, you know, I think over the long run, uh, it, it should actually be favorable. Yeah. And to your point, like if you're patient and hold for a long time, find the best opportunities or diligent with your thesis. Um, history shows that works out really well. Um, so shouldn't, you know, very well in venture. And it did, you know, in the 08 or like in the 2012 time period, some of the best companies performed and in, in, or came out of those years. Um, and I guess on that point, you know, you're excited to deploy, uh, really focused on like being very disciplined as investors. I guess what are you excited for looking for in the founders that you want to work with? You talked a little bit about the sectors and the categories, but like in terms of their, the traits they bring to the table, um, you know, the types of things they're building. Yeah. What are you typically looking for right now as you think about, okay, we're about to go through, or we are going through this huge correction. Um, has that changed what you look for in founders? Yeah. Um, I don't know if it has changed uh, in terms of sort of, you know, the, the few criteria that we look for, um, but, you know, just realizing how important uh, it is to, to back the right founder and it, it might have, uh, had us maybe overweight, you know, some of the, some of the traits. And one of those, I think first and foremost is really going to be, you know, resourcefulness, um, being able to do more with less, I think is actually good. I think that's a trait that's necessary. You know, I mean, uh, you know, fa famously Bezos had been, you know, uh, very, very frugal, even at post IPO. Right. And, and, um, I think that goes a long way. I think that allows for uh, endurance, you know, regardless of the cycles. Um, if you don't have that discipline up front with the early, you know, raises of capital, it's probably tough to then all of a sudden sort of inject that level of discipline on spending, you know, managing your resources. Um, and so, you know, I think beyond that, uh, especially at the earliest of stages, um, really it's it's being able to, uh, to build everything, you know, uh, in-house, right? And so really having a team that is equipped, whatever those skills are going to be, um, you know, technical, go-to-market, customer discovery, right, design, product, um, being able to have those skills uh, within the, the co-founding team, um, you know, out the gate, uh, I think is important. Um, you know, otherwise, again, I think some of those skills are going to be required and then needing to use budget, uh, you know, to externally kind of outsource any of those things, uh, it slows down, you know, the ability to kind of experiment and iterate upon, you know, feedback. Uh, and it obviously as well to the first point, uh, isn't all that resourceful. So, you know, I think those are, um, 
a couple traits that we definitely pay close attention to. Uh, and in this environment, I think are crucial. Um, you know, lastly, back to the sectors um, that we're kind of looking for um, within founders. Uh, then bringing sort of a unique insight, some type of unfair advantage. Maybe it's lived experience, professional experience, um, or just, you know, some level of creativity that is a novel approach. Um, you know, I think that utility is, is uh, important, you know, finding that wedge. But again, you know, sort of a, a different way uh, to address some type of problem that has been validated. Um, and just maniacally, you know, sort of uh, fine-tuning that, that problem solution fit if you will, turning it into a product. And again, we're backing them early. We want to back them and help them, you know, on the path to product market fit. Um, but first things first, you know, I think it's just that that zero to one. So totally. Um, and I love that to quickly summarize, it's like resourcefulness, doing more with less, um, a team that can build in-house. But I think what you're actually touching on is not just like being able to build in-house, but like the learning rate. Like how quickly do you take in feedback? How right. quickly does that go back to the product? How resourceful are you, you know, figuring out what next to do in the product, um, all kind of built on this foundation of that unique insight or unfair advantage that like sets you apart from the rest. Um, yeah. So all, all really cool trades and things to think about. Um, I do want to switch gears a little bit to talking about like building the fund a little bit more. And I think one of the biggest decisions, if not the decision when you're launching a fund is like, who do you want to partner with? Who do you want to be your co-founder, co-pilot with you in this incredibly, you know, challenging and exciting journey? Um, so I'd love if you could share a little bit more about your co-founder, how you guys came with the decision to launching the fund. I know you'd worked together previously, but what made you want to start it together? Um, and what are the different like lenses and unique things that you bring um, to the fund that like help it, you know, scale that much more? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I think this is this is right. Uh, this is probably the, the very most important um, aspect. Starting a fund, starting a, a company, you know, and so being very deliberate. Um, you know, and thoughtful with, with who you uh, decide to partner with. Uh, so Antonio Key is, is my partner. Um, and a, as mentioned, I mean, we've known each other for 10 years, uh, you know, coming from some of these networks and communities, um, you know, pre-MBA fellowship programs. But, uh, you know, in, in those groups were a few hundred people. And so even, even from that pool there, um, you know, how and why uh, Antonio, for me, we just really, I think, clicked um, you know, and getting to know each other during the business school application process, really having a, a shared goal and destination that you want to get to, even in the near term. Um, and you're working together, right? Even on some of the specific tasks that need to be done to get there or pushing one another, you know, and leveraging each other's strengths uh, to be as, as refined and polished as you can. I mean, really to increase the chances of success. And I think we found our first su success, if you will, getting into business schools together. Uh, we started to, um, you know, I think uh, be so in sync that we then were even deciding which schools to potentially go to together, um, you know, and, and sort of chose Wharton together. Um, and same thing, working on various projects, you know, there we knew what we wanted to get out of business school, you know, and there's people go for different reasons, you know. Um, again, I think we just happen to be uh, aligned. Um, and, uh, you know, same thing when we made our way to Samsung. You know, for about almost five years, we're working on high profile, you know, projects. Um, and again, just continuing to, I think, reaffirm, you know, sort of the synergy that we bring out uh, of one another. It really is a, a one plus one equals three. Um, and you mentioned traits, you know, I think for me, uh, as you said, sort of 
a mix of call it creative and and uh, you know analytical, maybe getting too much in the weeds at times, uh, and sort of geeking out over things. That's that's why I loved being a research analyst. Um, but you know, uh, inherently, I'm I'm a lot more of an introvert, uh, and venture, especially this space, is a contact sport. <laughs> you got to get out there. You got to build relationships. But even you know, at every step along the way over the last ten years, um, you know, Antonio's uh, nature, being a bit more of an extrovert, more than that. I think his ability to connect with folks and find a point of commonality fairly quickly, regardless of you know where, where they come from and all walks of life, uh, is impressive. I think that's important. And you know, first, just establishing trust and foundation with, with various stakeholders out there, uh, especially if you're sort of playing any kind of a long game you know, with them, again, which, which this business is. Um, and tactically, you know, I think we complement one another again. So sort of market analysis, deep dive diligence, uh, you know, uh, thesis developments, um, you know, a lot of that kind of stuff I I'm digging into. Um, I'm probably pushing the founders even on when we tag team and, and we'll meet with founders. Um, you know, he's a lot more on the process kind of side ops, you know, really a, a deal maker, if you will. Um, and, and, you know, that execution is important. Right. And so I think sort of that, uh, that, uh, duality between us has, uh, you know, tactically been an advantage again at corporate and, and as investors. Yeah. And I think that having that balance within a fund is so important because it's like, there's so much that you have to do legal back office deals, fundraising, like you, you have, you know, in the way that we ask founders to do a little bit of everything, emerging managers are founders themselves. They are, you are doing a little bit of everything too. So having that balance is key. Um, but I also think it's important to like know those strengths that you have and play to them well. Um, and you brought up this point that like, he's more of an extrovert, you're more of an introvert. I'd say I'm also the same. Um, and I'm curious, cause I've, I've gotten the question before, like, how do you do it in venture then? If you're in a more on the introverted side, um, and it is this contact sport, you're talking to people all the time. Like, what do you do to play to your strengths? And like, where do you think, um, that really starts to shine, uh, as you think about, you know, sun sunset ventures? Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, so for me personally, uh, entering this space, um, you know, I had to be uh, deliberate and, and make the effort, frankly, to uh, to get out there. Um, and again, I think uh, a lot of these roles that I've had uh, has required it to varying degrees. Um, but more and more, you know, uh, in this space, I think uh, for me, my strength in meeting people, uh, I kind of thrive probably more in more intimate, you know, group settings, smaller groups, maybe even one-on-ones, coffee chats. So anytime I can break away from, uh, you know, a, a big, <laughs> uh, draining, at least for me, you know, conference and things like that. Uh, you know, that level of energy is not how and where I thrive. Um, you know, I like to go deep and, and, and again, kind of foster these, these, uh, relationships with folks. And, and so that's one aspect. Um, and, you know, I think even on sort of the digital side of things, you know, um, building again, more, more of these curated small groups, telegram chats, you know, discord threads and, and some of these places that I kind of play, um, sharing thoughts, you know, insights there, uh, opportunities, connecting folks, um, you know, even if it's putting together a small, a small group, uh, intent, you know, and bringing in two different people, uh, that you have the intent of, uh, connecting, uh, even, even outside of email, right. Just, uh, just a bit more personal sort of these text message based, you know, type of platforms. Um, so really, you know, leveraging those, frankly, uh, to build kind of a, a reputation, you know, and, um, and just help folks. 
Fair. I think in that it's like there are a lot of ways to win. You just have to find like what's authentic to you. To your point, like what brings you energy? Because you are doing a lot and you've got to manage your energy as much as your time. And um, yeah, it's so critical to find like what works right and, and is right for you. Um, cool. I guess then uh, I'm a little curious um, as we wrap up here is we talked a lot about like the past today where Sunset Ventures is. Is what's your vision for Sunset Ventures, um, you know, five, 10 years down the road? And also like, where do you see the VC ecosystem being, you know, 10, 20 years down the road as well? Yeah. Um, I mean, starting with the last question there, uh, you know, my sense of the space and how to evolve, um, you know, really two main groups, um, or at least that's kind of how I bucket it. You're going to have these mega funds, you know, and platforms out there, uh, the Andreessen's of the world. Um, you know, I'd even lump in sort of the, the old guard. Uh, again, just the, the amount of resources that they have um, you know, both uh, assets as well as, you know, people, um, and the networks, the Rolodex, uh, that, that spans decades, you know, in the Valley. Right. Um, and then uh, on the other side, you know, it's really going to be, uh, more niche players, but again, not a small niche necessarily, but just kind of, um, you know, creating and defining the space you're going to play. Maybe that stage, that sector, um, and, and, you know, becoming the best, right. Becoming top of mind within, you know, that, uh, that subset there, uh, I, I think is important, you know, and I think, um, both play an important role in the ecosystem and they'll be relevant. Uh, they'll be able to endure. Um, and so for us, you know, I, I think that's why, um, with regards to stage, you know, we really want to build a brand, uh, in early stage and kind of stay there. I think it's, it's you know, some of the most important areas, again, especially, um, with diverse founders, right. You're sort of the on-ramp into, the world of venture uh, into the ecosystem. Um, so from an impact standpoint, you know, it's important. It's also just fun. Uh, it, it's fun to be able to, you know, build a relationship with founders at the earliest stage and and see an idea turn into something. Again, I think uh, as a creator at heart, uh, that's what I loved about music, you know, having an idea of a concept, really, that was a song. I mean, that was my medium and, and turning it into one. And, and, and let alone then others for, for whatever reason, want to buy it, want to hear it, you know, and that, and, and, and seeing that happen, um, and being a part of that, you know, it's just an amazing feeling. And so, you know, sort of get that, that energy from, uh, these builders out here, uh, who are solving, you know, uh, end users needs, uh, same thing with, with, you know, not only stage, but sectors, uh, a, a few key sectors that, uh, we naturally are curious about, passionate about. I think that just gives you an edge. Um, and it helps, frankly, that we have years of experience in these spaces. Um, you know, so I think really uh, becoming top of mind and building a franchise that sort of corners, you know, a, a part of that market, if you will. Um, and, and that's the kind of franchise, you know, we want to build. Um, I think in terms of our team, you know, I think we really want to be a firm that is open, you know, to the next generation of investors and VCs out there. Um, hopefully folks would come through and, and, uh, you know, maybe spin out and eventually kind of raise their own fund and, and really help them do so with whatever lessons and relationships, you know, we've, we've, uh, learned over the years, um, just because the landscape and the ecosystem needs so much, you know, almost at every level, whether it's LPs, fund of funds, VCs, founders, the employees of startups, you know, that get equity, uh, the end users themselves. I mean, we need to see uh, a lot more uh, diversity, you know, and inclusion and just 
kind of equitable approaches to all of this. Um, and again, I think a lot of wealth is actually created, you know, and unlocked at every level. Um, and and want to make sure we're intentional with, um, you know, the the people, uh, the types of people who are able to participate there, and um, want to focus on those that traditionally haven't. That's incredible. You hit like every amazing point. I still just like underline it, bold, italicize everything you just said. Um, but yeah, but your story is inspiring. What you've been building with Sunset Ventures is, is inspiring, and I'm confident. You know, like what you were saying, like more people will come. You know, your founders uh, will go off and become incredible companies. Um, people that work at Sunset Ventures, you know, will go off and launch their own incredible funds. And uh, you mentioned earlier, like you're um, or brought up this point, like funds that are building a franchise. Um, and I think that's like something that endures that last, but also really helps change and shape an ecosystem. So super excited for, for what you're doing. Um, earlier, you mentioned uh, you started as a creator, as a musician, um, your true passion is music. Um, so I have to go back to that and chat a little bit about it, I guess. How, are you still creating music today? Um, what's exciting to you in music? Um, what are you listening to on repeat? Uh, would just love to like hear, you know, how you're thinking about uh, the music world these days. Yeah. Um, I dabble at times in front of the, the piano and keyboard uh, from time to time, but I, I'm not running a, a full production studio and not not collaborating or working with artists or anything anymore and, and recording them. Uh, I miss those days in, in many ways, but... Uh, but I'm not. Uh, this is a, a full-time job a, a couple times over and any extra <laughs> Fair. I, I, I try to give to, to the family. Um, makes sense. And so um, in terms of, uh, you know, what I'm listening to these days, uh, one, one of your last points there, uh, you know, hip-hop, R&B, sort of my favorite genres, specifically more of... Uh, Alternative R&B, Neo Soul, if you will, um, Brent Faiyaz, uh, Gibeon. Um, mm. uh, these are a few uh, artists that I probably have on repeat, other than let's say you know Drake's new album or, or something, as I'm sure a lot of us have. Of course, hanging out right now. So, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, well, a little known fact is that Harlem Capital actually has a theme song that we had created. I think someone volunteered it, or we got to create it. I don't know. So. I don't know, maybe that is in Sunset Ventures this future. We can collab someday uh, at some point. Um, and cool. Uh, so wrapping up with two quick questions. Um, if there's a book or podcast that anyone looking looking to launch a fund should be reading or listening to, what would that be? What would you recommend? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think the kind of classics, I mean, uh, the, the ins and outs of venture, venture deals uh, as, as a book. 20 minute VC is great as a podcast. Um, just learning from, you know, so many of the the greatest out there. Um, I found actually VC in American history, really interesting, just, you know, really surveying the last few hundred years and almost the origins of, of venture. And, and, uh, you know, I think just, just seeing that, um, evolution, taking a giant step back, you know, and understanding the, the landscape, uh, you know, from a broader timeline and the role that we're playing now, you know, at this point in time. Uh, and then thinking, yeah, decades ahead of how this will continue to evolve. Uh, so, you know, I found that book entertaining. Amazing. And uh, I guess if you weren't a VC today, uh, I guess, what would you be doing? Would you be back in the creator seat? Would you be doing something else totally different entirely? Um, yeah. What would Brandon Hoffman's life be in that alternate universe? Um, if not VC... Um, I don't think I would be a 
creator still anymore necessarily. Um, but I, I do believe I'd want to build in that space, um, build a platform that's going to serve, you know, empower creators. Uh, my son dreams of being a creator. I think as many young kids that are, that are surveyed these days and, um, hopefully, uh, you know, the tools and platforms, uh, and the opportunity frankly will allow all of those that want to pursue that to be able to do so and not have to give up that dream, you know, cause it's, it's not feasible. Um, so that's the future I'd, I'd want to see. And, and personally, you know, I'd, I'd be honored, frankly, to build in that kind of space and, uh, be, be a, an agent for change, if you will. Oh, I love that. Uh, like builder at core, uh, change always on the horizon and then sunset, I guess. Exactly. Um, to wrap it together. <laughs> Um, well, Brayden, thank you so much. It was so awesome getting to chat, getting to catch up and hearing about what you guys are building. Um, really thrilled and proud of, of where you guys are going in the ecosystem. And thanks again for the conversation. Thank you so much for having me.